InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. The population of Asian Americans here in the U.S. is growing fast. In fact, in the past decade, Asian Americans have outpaced all other groups for population growth. But some say there's a bamboo ceiling that most Asians in the workplace are not rising to the top of organizations. What's the story behind this? Well, joining us on InfoTrack is Jane Hyun, author of Breaking the Bamboo Ceiling. Jane, welcome to InfoTrack. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you believe there is some type of a barrier that's keeping Asian Americans from getting to the top of companies. I do believe that. And I think in general, the American population believes that Asian Americans do pretty well in society and in the workplace. Part of the perception comes from the fact that they are relatively well-educated. Nearly half of the Asian American population above the age of 25 have college degrees, which is actually a pretty high graduation rate. However, when you look at the numbers at the senior management ranks of Fortune 500 companies, you find that less than 1.5% actually make it to the very senior management ranks of corporate America. So there's definitely a limit to where they go, and the perception that they're successful and have broken through all the barriers is definitely is not the case. What is the situation? Is it a cultural difference that's holding Asian Americans back, or what is it? There's a number of factors at play here. I believe that there are both personal barriers as well as organizational barriers that are getting in the way of keeping these Asians from really reaching the top of these organizations. For one thing, as far as from the Asian perspective, there's a general lack of self-awareness about how their behaviors actually are perceived by others. A lot of times, cultural values with which Asian Americans are raised uh, for many years, particularly if they come from immigrant families or if they themselves are immigrants, these traditional values that they were raised with run counter to many of the mainstream Western corporate values. I'm going to just share with you some of those things. Many Asians, even second and third generation Asian Americans, experience a really strong cultural upbringing deeply rooted in values such as harmony, collectivism, self-control, and a profound respect for authority. And often, when you look at some of the industries that are represented in corporate America, you know, the things and the values that are actually valued in those industries are individual achievement, personal expression, and really questioning authority to get your voice heard, and often, you know, self-promotion to get moving up there. Yeah, you have in your book a kind of a neat little illustration of cultural images. Asian would be, the loudest duck gets shot. That's right. That's, I guess, a big saying in Asia. And in the West, of course, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, which is almost a complete opposite type of perception. It is. If you grow up one way for, you know, 25, 30 years at home, having some of those values where you're not supposed to really stand out too much, you're not supposed to ask too many questions, and then suddenly are thrust into a corporate environment where suddenly all the values that you held dear and that you followed that really worked for you, even until college, really, because, you know, until, until you graduate from school, it doesn't matter so much how much you can promote yourself and actually navigate the corporate structure. It really in the corporate workplace comes to a head there. And I think if you ask Asians to name a barrier, they often report feelings about needing to be someone else in the workplace. So these values, particularly in Asians who are less acculturated, meaning perhaps they came to the U.S. at an older age and have not as acculturated to the Western ways of things, they could have some difficulty in navigating the corporate structure. It seems I remember a few years back when Japanese and Asian car companies were taking off and there was a push for Western business people to get into the Asian model. So you're kind of coming at it from the other end. And probably the first book I've seen that gets into Asians kind of adapting some of the Western business things, some of these things that might hold you back from being a CEO or in the top chair of a company, I guess. 
That's right. And I think that the whole discussion of diversity and inclusion is actually a very big one nowadays if you look at some of the Fortune 500 companies and the emphasis they're placing on looking at gender issues, issues of race and ethnicity. And I think companies are doing a lot of things actually right now to develop both women and professionals of color to figure out how do we actually provide focused intervention for these employees so that we understand how to develop them as leaders. So instead of seeing them as just like anybody else that they've hired in the past, obviously they come with unique backgrounds with a completely different set of cultural values. How do we actually hone in on what they need to be successful, especially the high potential ones? And how do we keep them from uh, leaving the firm because of discouragement or because they feel that they can't move past a certain rank? If I'm an Asian American and I'm thinking, gee, maybe this is affecting my career or perhaps my rate of advancement, my income, what would be some steps, other things they might want to do or look at to try to, as you say, identify their bamboo ceiling? I think the first step is to really become self-aware. And that means, you know, really understanding who you are and the skill sets that you have and your personality and temperament. And also kind of layering on top of that your cultural values. My book actually talks about how you can kind of take stock of your Asian American identity and understand how assimilated you are into the American culture and, and how much of your Asian culture have you retained. And then, of course, ask for external feedback as well from who I call trusted advisors. And this could mean managers, it could mean your mentors, it could be your friends, your personal contacts, people who really know you well to help them really kind of give you feedback. And if they don't give that to you unsolicited, you might want to actually ask for that information, kind of saying something like, I know that often I may do this in a meeting or I may interact this way, you know, with my colleagues or subordinates. You know, how does this look to you when you see me doing this kind of thing? You know, how does this get perceived or misperceived by someone who's looking at it from the outside? And I think getting that kind of real-time feedback from people who actually know you and see your work really well could be so valuable to helping you to understand that. And then once you have that, you can understand, well, you know, now people see me this way. What can I do to actually develop new skills to help me develop what I call cultural fluency, which is basically an inability to move into different type of work settings with different people from different cultures and different ethnicities and genders and really be effective in your own style at flexing to those personalities and different levels of management. If I'm not an Asian and I want to reach out to Asians more effectively, obviously there are ways to reach out to all people. Are there any particular things I should keep in mind in talking to Asian Americans? Absolutely. And I think that this kind of plays to the question of, you know, as companies become more globally focused, and a lot of times the employee base also becomes more increasingly diverse, it's important for all employees to really have an open dialogue about how to achieve this kind of fluency in the workplace. And here's a tip, I guess, if you're working with Asians or if you have a subordinate who's an Asian or a client, perhaps, I think it's important to kind of really recognize that Asians are a very diverse population. And so oftentimes we get hit with what I call the perpetual foreigner syndrome, and that if there perhaps are not as many Asians working in your company or you're in an environment where you're one of very few Asians in the organization, a lot of times, you know, we're kind of often faced with, you know, where are you from? <laughs> or, you know, it's surprising that you speak English so well. Those types of comments are almost universally heard by many Asians that I know who've even been here for a couple of generations and can speak very fluently. So I think that it's important that you provide for your employees and colleagues access to informal networks and also developing a culture in your company that supports career development and soft skills development so that people from different backgrounds and with different leadership styles can be successful. And as we know, you know, there's not just one type of leader that can be successful in corporate America. We're talking with Jane Hyun, author of Breaking the Bamboo Ceiling on InfoTrack. And Jane, as we wrap this up, if you could summarize 
Asian Americans in general and perhaps how they're doing and where they're going as far as the American business and culture? I think that it's important for everyone to recognize that whether or not you're Asian, you can help someone break the bamboo ceiling. And I think there are universal themes that we can really learn, such as, you know, if you're someone who's used to being modest and you need to develop the skill of promoting yourself in the workplace to move ahead or to get to the next level in your organization, you know, that's the kind of skill that I would consider critical to your development. And so it's all about learning new skills and flexing to the kind of environments that you're going to be working in and not about compromising who you are. And I think that's really what I'm trying to get across. Terrific. Well, the book is now in the bookstores and on Amazon and other websites. It's called Breaking the Bamboo Ceiling. And you have a website, too, right, Jane? I do. It's www.breakingthebamboocealing.com. Jane, thanks so much for joining us today on InfoTrack. It was a pleasure, Chris. Next, teens keep dropping out of high school. Is your child at risk? We'll have the answers coming up. You're listening to InfoTrack. More after this.